Uh, I'm Shaber Shaberi. Uh, I am the Senior Director of Business Development at uh, Mintigrol. And Mintigrol is uh, the largest mobile ad network out of China. And our specific team is in San Francisco representing the uh, Americas for them. Welcome back to Toronto. Thank you. <laughs> you come, you, I don't know if it's for holidays or for work, but you're, you're here quite often. It is. Uh, I come here actually primarily for work. Yeah. I do have some relatives who live out here, which okay. is nice. Um, but what I tell my friends, um, you know, in the Valley and other places is uh, the Toronto and in general, I think Canada, the tech and the, the creative scene is very affluent mm. uh, and untapped. Okay. Um, and I, I have a great story about this personally is you remember when I first met you about over 10 years ago, yeah. I was at the plug and play incubator. And um, my role was to try to find really talented individuals to help invest and or bring to the valley for it in, uh, the start. This is before Web 2.0 even took off around 06, 7, 8. Yeah. Maybe pushing in 9. And our, these, there was these two guys out of Waterloo. Um, one was about 18, Adil. And uh, the other was basically in his 20s, Mo. And uh, they were in the valley at some point. We got to know them. They had this great product that competed at head-on with Dropbox. And I'm like, who are these guys? And, uh, you know, long story short, uh, Tim Draper and Plug and Play did invest in them. Um, they're doing well right now. They're both at Twitter. Uh, but at that point in time, besides them, and, and Adil, for example, is kind of this Waterloo stud back 10 years plus. Okay. He was he sold at 16. He sold his first company, and for Canada at that time was like, who are you? Like, how did yeah. you do this? Um, and so I was I convinced uh, the CEO of Plug and Play site to fly me up here to do some scouting. So I came to Toronto and I came to Waterloo. Yeah. And what I saw in Waterloo was like, wow, this is probably the most untapped university outside of the valley I've yeah. seen. Um, mm. I mean, obviously, there's the likes of MIT and Harvard. Sure. There's other technical schools in the U.S. Uh, all throughout the UCs in California, UT Austin, Washington, um, so forth. Uh, but in Illinois. But in Canada, I was like, wow, this. And I, I had to figure out why. Uh, got to tour the university and uh, the accelerator there, um, which I'm blanking out the name right now. But I, f I found out it's the co-op program there was very unique in, in a sense that uh, allowed you basically to graduate. You had to get one or two semesters or quarters in and a job. Yeah. And by then, all these folks are seasoned, like as good if not better than a lot of the schools I've seen in the U.S. Hmm. Um, talent-wise. And that's why in the last 10 years, there's an immense amount of founders funded from Waterloo at the YC program. And s while Sam Altman was running it, um, he was basically voicing, and he's a Stanford alum. He was like, yeah, Waterloo surpasses Stanford right now oh, wow. as far as that. I mean, that's one angle is Waterloo. The yeah. other angle is uh, the, the gaming scene is phenomenal. So in the last... Now, this is a recent... Yeah, again, yeah. there's this... Uh, there's a So I just came back... Fortunately enough, I went to Australia. There was a big conference there called GCAP. And um, the game, uh, the studio of the year, Mighty Kingdom, CEO spoke. And he made a challenge for the Australians. He's like, you know, in the last 10 years, it's been a good growth. We've mm -hmm. had 1,200 to 1,500 jobs in gaming. Yeah. But I, I, our counterparts in Canada has had 10 to 15,000 new jobs in the last 10 years in gaming. Mm -hmm. Where, why haven't we competed at the same level? We're about the same level of, yeah. you know, 
population, probably not so much. I think Canada obviously is more. Um, but when it comes to quality standard of life and, and talent Very level, similar, yeah. yeah. Uh, and so, so Canada has had this massive immense of growth, and there's multiple reasons why uh, for the talent level of gaming is the support of the local governments from the Ontario government to um, the Quebec governments, uh, as well as Montreal is a hub for 3D animation. And, and so right. when I went to this conference this last few days, uh, MIGS, uh, so MIGS is this, it's probably the biggest gaming conference in Canada annually. Um, okay. And then they've added the kind of a new show before called Mega, allowing the esports players and, and the game studios to get awards for their talents and what they've created. Uh, I went to the MIGS section, which is more the B2B kind of side. But um, every major studio pretty much has a presence in Montreal uh, when it comes to getting talented animation artists uh, for really qualitative and for cost effectiveness. So the likes of Ubisoft and Gameloft from France is there. Mm. Um, I believe EA is there. Stadia from Google is there. Um, so, and then my side is because Mintigrel is a mobile ad network, uh, we are in talks with studios based there uh, for the likes, for example, of like Square Enix. They're a big Japanese company, but their sub biggest mobile subsidiary is in Montreal. <laughs> oh, okay. They have over 100 plus people there. Yeah. Um, and, and then um, overall, Canada, for example, their mobile uh, mobile game scene has been pretty healthy uh, in the last 10 years. I remember Get Set Games, who are actually Toronto-based, had uh, Mega Jump, which was a top 10 hit early on in the App Store. Yeah. And then most recently, Hothead Games out of Vancouver has had like uh, a portfolio of really qualitative sports games. Um, in Toronto, there is a couple of mobile game studios doing very well on their own. You can uh, yeah. who work with IP like uh, Jeopardy and so forth. And then lastly, um, there's GameHive as well. And they're uh, a studio that's growing here in downtown. Um, so as, as a whole, uh, you know, kind of backtracking why, again, Toronto, Canada, uh, talent level is really good. Um, engineering talent and technical product talent. That's why you can see even major companies like Facebook, Google, and others opening shop here. Yeah. Um, as far as the gaming scene, Montreal, Toronto, Vancouver, all have uh, you know an immense amount of talent. And um, big studios like Kabam's have it in Vancouver to like others have it in Montreal, like I said, U Ubisoft's and Square Enix's. Uh, so something that I'm very excited and passionate to come here on a, hopefully on an annual basis, yeah. All right, cool. Yeah. Tell me about Mintigrel. Th there's sort of a tie-in with, with gaming and or really, you know, the, the tie-in with advertisers as well. So tell me more about what Mintigrel does and what your role is with them. Yeah, so uh, the way I kind of tell people on a generic basis, let's say I'm, dry, I'm in an Uber and they ask me, like, what do I do, right? I say, uh, do you play mobile games? Like, yep. Um, you see those an annoying ads that pop up? Yeah. I'm that guy, you know, like I, and they laugh like yourself, you're smirking. Yeah. Um, but, but in reality, that industry is multi-billions of dollars worth. Um, and it's when the App Store was announced about 10 years ago plus, um, Steve Jobs announced it, I was like, this is the future. You know, I, I made the bet that this is going into it. So I initially tried some apps myself. One of the first apps my friends and I created was called Stress Relief because the market crashed okay. and we wanted to relieve some stress for people <laughs> by playing this game yeah. where you could tap or make a person cry by screaming. Yeah. Obviously Apple never approved of that. And then I said, what's the best way to get involved to understand the app store is advertising. 
and I call it the digital bazaar. But basically, it's like a, a, a barring of supply and demand, um, and I, uh, I, I've been running since with it. And, and with Mintergrel specifically, why I got into this space two years ago, Mintergrel is a, a, a public company in Hong Kong. Uh, our parent company, Ma Vista Group, is public. We are uh, the largest mobile ad network there with over 400 million daily active users. We have 80% of the reach in the Chinese app and gaming industry space for mobile. Um, and we work with all the major studios there, like Tencent and NetEases of the world. And we have a massive reach throughout uh, Southeast Asia, India, so forth as well. And what our team in San Francisco in the last two years have been doing is uh, we are their team and subsidiary helping uh, expand the network on a global level, specifically in the Americas. Uh, so our region is U.S., Canada, Latin America, Australia we've included as well. And um, our goal is to help game studios, um, which primarily has most of the, as we call it, the, the eyeballs, um, mm -hmm. where users come on a frequent basis every day to play their game, um, create a business plan around making revenue and monetizing their apps with ads. And in, in, the, in the app space, specifically mobile games, people monetize in just a few ways. You could do free and you could do it with ads. That's one. The other is free with in-app purchases. You offer some sort of like gift or reward that they have to incentivize and, and purchase. Um, and then lastly, you could do it with uh, subscription. It's very, very rare. It's hard, but Apple can pull it off with their arcade because it's Apple and the brand. They have an, a, a, an immense amount of you know, reach to the game studios and they bundle it up and make yeah. it really affordable for you. Um, I, I, I guess lastly is premium. You could pay for an applications sure. Sure. Uh, and some, in, but, uh, but, but the mobile game scene is this year is going to surpass nearly $70 billion. And in China, it's about going to hit 25 to 30 billion of that value. China is the biggest gaming industry value in the world. So as of the last two years, the revenue that Chinese gaming market makes is more than the United States now. Um, uh, it's the biggest esports market. It's hmm. I, and for me, I was like, well, I'm fortunate enough to be born and raised in San Francisco in the Bay Area. I have the understanding of the valley. I wanted to really understand what's going on in China, and been fortunate enough to represent Integral both specifically here. But when I go back, I've gone a couple times. I've gone to Beijing and gone to Guangzhou, and I'm very fascinated um, with the immense growth. When they talk about China and mobile first, people's lifestyles changed. A lot of which didn't have, let's say, a laptop device connected to a fiber connection. They would literally grab their mobile device and go straight to the internet. Now, with these super apps called the WeChats of the world, they could mm. do payments. So, <laughs> I have a funny story. I went to Beijing last year, went to Starbucks, I waited to pay with yuans. I was creating a line, and I'm like, why? They were trying to figure out how, how to pay me back. And I have this stare in my face like, oh, my God. The, everybody's looking at me like, the, the, oh, this tourist. Yeah. And I'm like, I never saw this day coming. But in reality, it was like a shocking reality that they are beating us to the digital payment system, to the chat system, to AI possibly, um, based on yeah. just how seamless that was, where people just put their QR code at the Starbucks, at the supermarket, anywhere in the mall. And no wonder there's a massive reach um, in, I know in San Francisco, I've seen this in a lot of the, the malls and stores, and it's probably the case in Toronto, I haven't seen it yet, where WeChat and Alipay are everywhere. 
and you could just pretty much use your QR code here too to purchase stuff. Yeah. Um, oh. So yeah, I mean, it's just to go back to the Mintrical side. Yeah, and one reason why I'm here again is, you know, trying to work with a lot of these studios here um, to partner up, and uh, you know, excited to see some of them in face to face and and just get insights on what they're doing. A lot of games pop out. <coughs> a lot of excuse me, a lot of these studios are popping out with new games by next year. So. Yeah. Is is it to is Mintrical trying to get? Um, large North American-based companies that are looking to tap into uh, the Asian market, or are they looking to um, start having their presence in uh, in North America and in Europe? Yep, great question. So uh, our team, and we have a team in Europe too, and and uh, specifically in London, is uh, so we have been. Up until 2018 or through 2018, we were Asian-only network. So we would actually be um, kind of, a, I'd say, like that liaison broker to go to these studios if they had traffic. Say, oh, your, your game index is high in China or yeah. India or Indonesia, some of the developing countries. Let's help you gain what you deserve for that traffic. Okay. Because the U.S. networks, say Google, Facebook, and others, probably are not doing anything in China. Mm -hmm. We can um, now, as of this year on, no, our, our network is a global network. Uh, okay. Our U.S. traffic and revenues surpassed China. Um, we have partnered up with all the mediation providers, so all these platforms. If you're a developer in studio, um, probably you're highly likely you're using one of these platforms to uh, run multiple networks like ours into their, their platform server side through the, the native experience on your game, and then you, we could bid on that traffic that you are running in your game. Mm -hmm. um, so we could be one of 12 networks, we could be one of six networks. Uh, so we've partnered with all m six major networks there, um, the likes of Mopub, uh, Iron Source, Fiber, uh, TapDax, and others. Um, and we're gonna be one of only the few networks, technology-driven, that have a bidding solution. Online bidding has been there for many years, yeah. real-time bidding. We're finally there on mobile, testing it out. It's like, I call it stock trading for mobile. Um, so I could bid for your traffic right now in real-time at a higher rate. Uh, and it's, it's being tested now, and hopefully by next year, it'll be really Im embedded and implemented throughout the networks and games and so forth. You alluded to at the beginning um, that we met uh, quite some time ago when you were at the, the plug-and-play incubator. Yeah, um, and then you move to uh, one of my favorite brands that is not around anymore, Pebble. Yeah, um, which was a, a sad story. Yeah, um, that they're no more. Is that uh, you're wearing a Fitbit the watch? Fitbit. Yeah, so you know that has a Th Pebble technology in absolutely, it. Absolutely. Yeah, right? yeah. yeah. So, so Fitbit purchased the. the yeah. Uh, which is why I went to this particular watch. Yeah, and now it's Google, and which should be exciting. I wrote a little bit of in my insights on that, by the way. Tell me about that. Yeah, so uh, people were like, you know, they were, I, I wrote it more of an insider. I was like, this is actually a great partnership in place. Um, Fitbit now has uh, a play within Google. F Google's watches were fragmented. You yeah. know, you had, they had their own. They worked with, like, the Samsungs of the world. They worked with others. Now they have probably the best competitive product besides Apple Watch, obviously. Yeah. Um, and then Fitbit is cost-effective, so they could do it at scale. Mm-hmm for really affordable rates. Yeah. Um, it's a great brand. They could do advertising throughout their entire network, search ads, YouTube. Interesting. Um, yeah, I mean, they have it everywhere. Uh, and then, you know, long, 
long-term perspective, this is one of the things when I was at Pebble uh, working with large Fortune 500 brands was it's the best way to reach an individual on an advertisement level mm. to display some sort of ad unit there yeah. better than even your phone that you touch probably hundreds of times a day almost. Yeah. Uh, so the only difference is it's in people feel intrusive if they f get a, a like a uh, advertisement on their watch. So there's got to be some sort of growing pain there. Um, but if, if there's one net company to do that, it's Google. Like they are True. a network. Um, so those are a few kind of tidbits I, I, I was stating um, that I feel like it's a good win-win. And, and then you were saying about Pebble. I, I didn't mean to interrupt, but no, uh, no. I got excited about that story. <laughs> <laughs> and then so it's, it's, it's just you, you, you talk about the intrusive nature. Um, you know, we both have mobile phones here. Yep. Uh, you know, during this, we've, we've been here for about 15 minutes. Uh, none of us have looked at our phones. I know that we've gotten messages. Yes. <laughs> but I've at least glanced at my watch at least twice. Okay. Yep. Right. Uh, but we've still communicated. We're still talking. We're, we're still Correct. chatting. Right. Yeah. So it's interesting you talk about that, um, the intrusive nature, and is it or is it not? It's it's interesting. Yeah. So when again, um, this is an interesting topic. When I was at Pebble, people were like, "Well, do I need a smartwatch um, to display more of what I've already see?" And it was more like a a soft approach to what you see, um, yeah. and uh, so you're already opted into that yeah. experience. Um, Again, when it becomes intrusive, it's like basically like receiving emails that you didn't think of, which is spam, mm. um, that type of level. I think that's a challenge yeah. uh, the industry is going to deal with at some point. Uh, and then even, even and to another extent is, um, you know, going uh, sorry, like going back to the topic you're saying about like, oh, we haven't seen the phones. One of the things I've done personally, actually, since I left Pebble was, and I, I've talked to folks, is about this notion of presence being in, in the now. Mm. Uh, so I have a really good friend, industry friend, Mark Hendrickson. He's actually from the Bay Area, living in Barcelona. And uh, now he's in the crypto scene, which is pretty exciting. Uh, but I had a nice dinner with him when he came back for the holidays. And I'm like, man, you feel super present here when I'm talking to you. Very similar to what you just yeah. said. Is it because you're becoming more Spaniard? He smirked. And <laughs> it was, he's like, no, I actually just turned off notifications and more opt-in. I'm like, show me. So basically, it's so, it's so vanilla, but it's so real that I was like, I did it right then and there. I turned off every notification possible on my iPhone. The only thing I have is I tell people, if you really need to reach me, text or call me. Yeah. Um, and I only use WeChat because our company, WeChat, and now Ding, which is another app, a Chinese company-based uh, solution. So I need to see those in real time. Yeah. Otherwise, uh, yeah, I, I tell people, look. Your emails, your tweets, your LinkedIn. I opt in. It's all, everything else is opt in. Interesting. Um, yeah, I mean, it, it, sometimes I'm like, ah, oh, I can't believe I missed this. However, now I'm so engaged with the discussion and listening to what you're saying that I'm not distracted by anything else. Yeah. Right? And again, like, I could look at this right now, which I just did, and if there's a fire by the company, maybe I'll be like, let's cut this short, but uh, yeah. it hasn't happened because yeah. it's highly unlikely. People right know now. where to get in touch. If yes. it's really, really important, yes. they'll know how to get a hold of it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's interesting. Maybe I'll try that over the holidays. Yeah, and, and see how it is. Although uh, it's tricky, you got a smartwatch too, so that helps balance it. Um, yeah, yeah. And the, so the reason I have it was because now you know our our son was going to school, and we were you know first it started off as half days, and yeah. So we wanted to make sure you know that he was okay, and and now then he started after years, he started taking public transit on his own, 
as a young kid, so we needed to make sure when he gets to school and not. So. Do you use uh, f- Find My Phone or what is it, uh, the the family one? You search like. You know, I, I still haven't. F- turned that on. To yeah, see you know what? <laughs> yeah, I still haven't done yeah. that. Some people do that just to have that presence of mind. Yeah, uh, yeah. where is it? Yeah, he's at school. Put yeah, it, put it away. But he, but so we've got a thing where he'll text. You know, he's at school, yep. and then if he gets home and um, we're not home, he texts, "I'm at home." Oh, that's right? good. Right. So yep. I don't need my phone on me. Sure. I've got. I'll get the notification. Perfect. On my watch. Perfect. Yeah. And I can just you know re- quickly reply with a yes or an okay. Nice. You know, and and it's good. Yeah. You know, I, I don't need to worry. Speaking of which, in the gaming and your kid, you guys recently went to this Toronto event you were saying yeah. about. Uh, yeah, EGLX. Yeah, 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 yeah. So there's like, how many people you said? Like 50,000. Wow. Yeah. Oh, wow. And look, then he was excited to meet some of his favorites. Cypher PK is the only one that I remember. Yeah. But there was a few other sure. YouTubers and gamers yeah. that uh, he got really excited. And he's a quiet guy. Oh, okay. You know, so that he got it excited about. So we took some photos. I mean, esports fascinating. Uh, it, it has definitely surpassed uh, like over a billion in value, and it's going to expand heavily. It's growing. Um, yeah. Yeah. I actually think this is kind of like my holistic now Silicon Valley hat, uh, where I think esports, the notion what we've seen in esports, should be actually embedded in real life stuff. What does that mean? Mm-hmm. I'll give a good example. Well, say uh, you guys are Raptor fans, or you know, Blue sure. Jay fans, or I'm a big time sports fan. Uh, what is missing so Twitter is like a good way in to collaborate with your favorite celebrities and athletes and however what if let's say you're watching let's make an NFL judgment you're watching favorite sports team and in real time you could vote and say oh this is third down and ten maybe they should get a shotgun and all out run or like Mm. just almost allow the fans to collaborate with the coaches (laughs) or or the players in real time Uh, similar to esports where you're watching and you could chat on Twitch or on YouTube or others while you're seeing, and these guys are doing play-by-play. Why can't it not be kind of embedded where That's you're in really the middle of a game, some people are like, hey, LeBron, did you know this stuff? It's like, hey, kid, it's like the all-star game they do it, right? Or during the uh, Major League Baseball playoffs, you know, you'll, they'll talk to the managers, but or sometimes one of the players have like a mic'd up thing. But that's that's so linear. That's so like what the traditional media is. What I think what we could learn from esports, and it's funny, um, Vince McMahon in XFL one year changed the dynamic of like what the football in-your-face camera angles are, and the NFL took it after obviously the XFL failed, which is like <clears throat> you see the beautiful camera angles above the player's head with the nets and so forth, um, and and so I'm like waiting for that, um, and I know there was like this crypto-based. Um, a startup idea that tested out like a football game in an arena football game, allowing fans to vote for each play. It was kind of fascinating to see something like that. Uh, and I think they did a Kickstarter campaign. But yeah, yeah, I think that's like one of the next steps to see uh, some sort of real life stuff. Uh, I think it's a matter of time. To- I think it's it's all it's all a timing thing. You know, you know, we've we've seen numbers where you know, for example, the. Um, the, the Fortnite finals will will bring in um, on 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 Twitch, you know, millions of people, um, and and a lot of these tournaments, you know, if 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 they're played in a in an arena or whatever, you know, whether it's where the Brooklyn Nets play, yeah, or the Raptors, or out where um, Golden State Warriors play, where they sell out these stadiums, yes, in in, in a matter of minutes, um, or millions upon millions of people are watching these games simultaneously. Um, you know, whether it's on ABC, ESPN or on Twitch, that rival, if not surpass, 
some of these big numbers, whether it's MLB, NBA, NHL, yeah, you know, playoff games. Um, and so I think it's a matter of time where the more traditional um, sports and franchises are going to have to take a look at yes, why is that growing so rapidly, and what can we steal, borrow, and take yeah from them to attract the younger audience because you know i see it you know going to things like football games yeah and and baseball games and hockey games and nba is a little bit different here in in, in toronto mm. it's it's an very much an older crowd nba is not nba but oh. the other ones when oh I, yeah when, you know, when, hockey I, when and I take uh, a look at hockey and football and baseball maybe. And, and baseball that makes sense an, an older crowd sure um, well, I have three things uh, yeah. I want to kind of go off this. The first is, so the sports franchising leagues have actually started to buy like esports teams. That's, that's one. Right, ang- yeah, that's yeah. one angle. Yeah, yeah. The second one is this. For example, and this is going back to what I was saying is, this uh, gentleman I know is the head digital of uh, the NBA. I've met for coffee for 15 minutes. Very New York kind of guy. Like, yeah. it's a cool guy. And then he's like, you know, there's these stats I'm like dying to try to figure out, which is, initially when the game starts, there's a drop off point the first commercial drop-off point first ha- like half and i'm like mm. Mm. it's because it's too linear again in my opinion it's too linear when the kids day and age uh, they have so much dialogue with the products that they have this is where these these leagues where we used to wait on our sundays to watch nfl anymore sure, sure. I, I say there's a drop-off because a lot of people don't want to put their whole sunday towards that unfortunately which is sad because i think nfl is a great sport for example um and then lastly, here's a good example in our industry, mobile. So uh, mobile advertising hasn't been so dynamic. Uh, there used to be this big wave of incentivized like, advertisement. So there was awful walls. Here's a cool offer sets of games and deals. If you install that game, you get this credit points to this game. You could play that game at a discount, for so on and so forth. Apple has kind of cracked down on these type of plays. However, the mm. industry morphed into this new product called reward videos yes, where, yes. Uh, you know, if you're playing your favorite game, you let's say you fail or you don't have the budget to buy in apps. Now that game studio could decide to play a nice reward video. You as the user opt in. Yeah. It's a win-win on the consumer level, on a business level. It's very engaging. The advertisers love it, mm-hmm. especially it's very targeted. It's a game probably targeting a game. You watch it, it could be anywhere from five seconds to 30 seconds, depending on you know the usage. And everybody's winning. The revenue is very high. The CPM's anywhere from, say, 10 to $25 in the U.S. And people are making yeah. you know, a lot there. That's just averages, for example. In China, it's about 8 to 15, what we see. And uh, you know, in the last two years, China's explosion of the app store and usage of games and advertising revenue reminds me so much of what it was in 2012 to 14. That's why I got excited again about Mintegral and kind of bringing that parallels to a lot of the studios that have relationships and building new ones yeah. uh, in this space. As, yeah, it's, it's, uh, I think it's just a matter of time, right? Like you're right, there's teams that are, uh, I know the NBA has a um, NBA 2K league, mm-hmm. you know, and um, yeah, it's yes. just a matter of time, Yeah, I think, before we, we see a different viewing experience both live and i think you know on uh whatever will become of tv whether it still be tv or Correct. or however we view on whatever screen yeah um there is um you know you started off at, at at plug and play at least when we met 
really looking at just tech companies generally moving on to you know i guess mobile with with pebble and more into gaming and, and advertising with with mintegral yeah um you know we've talked a little bit about esports um i'm not expecting you to be a prophet to say what's next oh but in your in your you know maybe it's something that's that's you know on, on just bubbling up what should we be you know looking at um, so I'm, that's a really interesting question, right? Cause this, I'm a, I'm a practical guy. Like when it comes to, st- I, I, I cut through the BS cause there's so much yeah. noise and, and startup ideas and stuff. And I feel like practicality always wins with products that people use on a day to day level. Yeah. My biggest excitement really, yeah. I think future of transportation. Mm. If we say, you know, it's kind of sad that the bullet trains haven't taken off. I took a bullet train this last early this year from Hong Kong to Guangzhou in 45 minutes. That's typically a couple hour drive, yeah. regardless of what you do. In California, we were supposed to get that. We didn't. I don't even know if North America is getting these type of trains or not. Now, I feel like if a Hyperloop example comes into fruition, where you could get into a pod and, and, and get into this really high qualitative transportation between San Francisco to Los Angeles or Toronto and Montreal, for example, or even Waterloo in Toronto. But, uh, and you could live in Montreal at a cheaper rate, but you could work in Toronto every day. Yeah. That will be the next dynamic shift. I feel in human, uh, involvement for technology, transportation, jobs, a whole and everything else. I really believe in that. There's a, a lot of other discussions about human longevity, gene, like the, yeah. I'm not even into healthcare, but that fascinates me. I think uh, I, we really have to look at global warming as an issue. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think everybody should look at that. And I'm, I'm a big believer that uh, I'm in the middle of San Francisco, for example, why not? Why isn't the Texas folks really getting involved instead of voicing their concerns only on Twitter, get their hands dirty and actually helping out nonprofits in, in the city to engage on the situation that is at hand, which is the homeless situation. Yeah. Right. Uh, so those are a few of the things more on a granular level. Uh, uh, again, I think uh, global warming is a big yeah. issue, but transportation, I feel like if that changes, I think it's a whole different play. Yeah. And I think that takes care of a lot of things because, you know, uh, in Toronto, I mean, not not as bad as, as I'm sure places like New York and LA are, but it's gridlock. Yes. You know, oh, right? and, and if, if we sort of solve that. Well, the scooters, right? The scooter explosion in the last year or two. In Europe? Huge. Uh, well, Amazing. He, it started throughout, like, here, for yeah. that matter. Uh, and I don't know how it could because of how cold it is here. But uh, in California, for example, it took off. And when San Francisco had it, it took up to 12 to 15% market share of Uber and Lyft. That's no joke. That no. is absolutely no joke. And the reason is this. Why, uh, why do we need to buy cars? Cars, 90% of the time, you're not using it. The other 90% of the time, it's only one of you in the car. So you get a scooter. <laughs> it's one of you hustling, bustling to what you got to go as soon as possible. It's yeah. fun. It's dynamic. Yeah. Uh, it's not as expensive, right? Uh, so I think that's another alternative to transportation. Again, tr- I think transportation yeah. future is fascinating. There is a lot of issues when it comes to bureaucracies and governments, true, true. Um, and you know the issue of safety concerns, security concerns. Uh, you know, and in transportation, no matter as 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 
you know, you think it's capitalistic, it's still monopolistic. Certain companies run it. Yeah. Certain companies, you know, do really well with the, the oil industry. That's why Tesla has a huge trouble just kind of growing on, a, on an exponential level. And they keep fighting the lobby powers that try to push them down. Yeah. Um, I think electric is a very fascinating thing uh, to see uh, with Tesla and their growth. But in general, I just feel like the scooters and then more, again, I'm, I'm a big fan of if like a Hyperloop type technology come into play. That's my, f my excitement. Interesting. Yeah. Listen, we could probably talk for hours about tons of stuff. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know? But those are my few things, yeah. 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 I appreciate uh, you having me, man. I mean, uh, I can't believe it's been over 10 years we've known each other. And I'm excited to see you do what you're doing, man. I'm happy for you. Thank you so much, man. Yeah.